0: Okay. Matthew 11:12 says this: From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. There are various versions of that that you can read, but there is a day when something starts and there is a time for something to keep on advancing. Amen? For the days of John the Baptist, there was days, John had days. Some people only have a day. Some people only get a moment in the sun, but John had days. Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men are forceful men, determined men, take hold of it by force. So what we see here, since the day John, got hold of his destiny, he was born for his destiny, his mothers knew his destiny, the moment John was on the earth and he was old enough to start talking, he began to start talking about the kingdom. And what happened was is those who heard John, there was either two crowds, those who would resist him or there was those who would join the crusade. And there's always that in life. There's always those who will resist you and oppose your message and there'll always be those who join the crusade. Amen? And they that joined him began to forcefully advance, step into what he was talking about. But it caused controversy amongst the religious people. And uh, many came out and they were were challenging him, is he Elijah? Because John had to come in the spirit of Elijah, which he did. But Jesus very clearly pinpoints the kingdom's beginning through John. Christ was always there, but the kingdom begins to have its emphasis through the life of John. Amen? God's always looking for a John. We've got one over there to my left. and A few more in the building, probably. know have we got a few more Johns? No, we've got Johns, the only one. John, John. God is looking for someone who can create his emphasis and start his emphasis and keep his emphasis flowing through. And John was that man. And John instantly began to develop disciples. So it went from John to a group of people and more people. John had disciples. And then what happens is, John's disciples, when they see Jesus, they make a transition and move over to Jesus' camp. And John lost his army after a while. But John's job was always to be the forerunner. Amen? It wasn't John's job to... To keep the whole thing, it was to start it. Some of us will be starters. Some of us will be continuers and others will be finishers. But as long as you're some part and you play your part, that's what really matters, isn't it? So this revolutionary kingdom message began hitting everyone and everywhere. The ears of the people. And it began to bombard the cultures. It began to bombard the religious system. It began to bombard the the cultural system. And out of this came much trouble. John lost his head. But don't you lose yours. Yes? So when we read John, we see that John shows us the days of beginnings. But John wasn't the, John was the forerunner. So in John chapter 1, verse 1, we read this word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not yet understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. So where did John come from? God. So John has a beginning. He shows us that John's got a beginning. It's important. Listen, watch watch where I'm going. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. This is his mission he's describing. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. Every one of us in here is a witness. We're We're not the light. We carry the light. Amen. But we're the witness of the light. And... He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So, the key word in this scripture is, in the beginning. Everything must have a beginning. If there's going to be an end, there must be a beginning. There can be no end without a beginning. Can you get this? Is this too deep? Do we need a revelation on this? <laughs> you cannot finish the race if you didn't start it. True? Everything must everything in life must build from a position of beginning. Everything in life must start, must build, must develop from the place called Beginning. Beginning is so important. Jesus understood the days of beginning. That's why he told us and made us aware of his beginnings. Now, Jesus was always there. God was always there. My brain can't handle that. My brain can't handle that. It's almost like God's doing God, God's doing God things. God's doing God's stuff. And he's in his cosmos, he's in his heavenlies, he's got angels, he's got all the starry hosts, he's got everything. And then all of a sudden, I say, I can't compute that because my mind says some, there has to be a day when something started, but God was always there. But yours and my beginnings, I can understand. Because then all of a sudden, God begins to create the earth, separates light from darkness, creates Adam and Eve, and lets them know, hey, son, there was always someone, someone here before you. If God wouldn't have told us who he was, can you imagine if God would have just created Adam and even left him and never revealed himself? Man would not know where he comes from or how he got here. And man would be atheist. It takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. It really does. To believe something came from nothing takes faith. True. <clears throat> So he begins to teach, Jesus now begins to teach his disciples about how to forcefully and violently lay hold of the same kingdom that John begun with. And how he does that? In Matthew 6.10, when you read the scripture, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus begins to teach his disciples that that which John began must be continued. There can be no end without a beginning, but there must be continuation. This make sense? Doing well, Tony. Good. Keep going. So he begins to teach him how to forcefully, violently lay hold of this kingdom to keep the continuation of what John started. And what was always there before had been revealed to John John made it known to others. Jesus is now showing his disciples that there's more than one way to advance the kingdom. You don't only just have to witness on the earth, but you can advance the kingdom through prayer. Yeah? So now he opens up level two of what was always there in the beginning. What was always there in the beginning has to be made known to you and me so that we can continue. This is why Christ must be revealed This is why the kingdom must come, because as the kingdom comes, Christ is revealed, and as Christ is revealed, the church is reformed, so that the church can ultimately begin to infect and affect society, called transformation. Something that began must be continued so it can have its end. There will be an end, and it will be glorious. I've read the back of the book, and we win. Okay? We, We win the championship. So, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is on earth. Guys, I'm going to show you how you can lay hold of the Father's will through prayer. This is how you pray. Uh, I thought we only had to talk about the kingdom. No, we can pray about it and we can talk about it. There's more than one dimension of of, uh, keeping what was begun going. So, I read a quote a long time ago and I thought it's it's a very powerful quote. And it's by John Newton, the former slave, uh, uh, slave ship master who was the Anglican preacher in uh, 1725 to 1807. And he once said this to his friend, William Cowper, and I love what he said, and it caught me thinking. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I hope to be. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be. Just think about that for a minute. I'm not what I, I, should say, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I hope to be. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be. So he's talking about his beginnings. Yes? He's thinking about his beginnings. And you know, very often when we think about our beginnings, it's so easy to feel dejected. When you look at your past, it's so easy to feel Uh, regret, so easy to feel disappointment, maybe anger, bitterness of soul, Uh, disillusionment. Anybody can witness with any of those feelings? Because for some or for many, the past is something they despise, something they don't want to go back to. True? And it's something that they're ashamed of, and it reminds them of their disappointments, their missed opportunities, and their Failures. Is that fair to say? But the beginnings are important. At the end of my life, all that has to come with me. It's all part of me. I thank God I'm not what I used to be, said Newton to his friend. Okay, well, if I'm not what I used to be, then who am I? Thought for quit thought. a minute. If I'm not what I used to be, then who am I now? If I'm not what I used to be, what am I now? Look at you, Sunday morning, don't get me thinking. If I am not what I used to be and I'm to thank God for what I am now, I need to know who am I now and what am I becoming now? My days of beginning can't be the only thing that defined me. Who I'm becoming must now define me. My beginnings are powerful. My beginnings may have been somewhat dodgy, glorious, depending what kind of life you've had. But I must work out who I am now and what I'm becoming now if I'm to continually thank God what I'm not. What I'm no longer. Is this confusing? Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not the person some people expect me to be. I'm not the person others want me to be. I'm not the person that others hope I am to be. I can only be what I was created to be. True? Thank God my wife accepts me for who I am. She married the lad that used to be. Yes? And this guy has changed. I'm better now than I was when she first met me. Shh, keep, stay on my side, babe. Stay on my side. Remember, we dealt with guilt and shame last week. The man that she married is not the man she's with now. Now, sure, there's been things that's changed. A lot. I'd like to think I'm a far better human being today and I was when I first married The man that married Carol was selfish. Was full of pride, arrogant, stubborn, all those things. And that's just Carol I'm talking about. <laughs> but all those things that was in me, I'm not those people, I'm not that person anymore. So I thank God I'm not what I used to be. But I don't deny my past. So let me give you a principle here. The beginnings of Christ and his kingdom alive within you Is unstoppable. The kingdom of Christ and his kingdom that is alive within you is unstoppable. John, the kingdom that John brought was unstoppable because it's still going today. That's the kingdom that you and I have living inside us. Irrespective of our beginnings, we have a kingdom that is unstoppable. God wants you to know that his kingdom that's in you is unstoppable. Even if you fail, it won't fail. It will reach its target. Aren't you glad? So, do you want to see your beginnings? I thought you might. Proverbs chapter 8. Let me show you your beginnings. I love this scripture. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. What, a, what a, an awesome fridge magnet, albeit oh, it's too long for a fridge magnet. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed. From eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. Wow. Just stop right there. Let's just eulogize right there. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. Are you having some of this? Come on, have some of this. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills were given birth, before he made the earth of his field or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed security, securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so as the waters would not overlap, overstep its command, say, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was there. Then I was, Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep his ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me, finds life and receives favour from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me, harms himself. All who hate me love death. There's a part there, and when he goes on, at the end, he says, those who understand this, fix it. Fix it into your spirit. The writer says, lay hold of this. This is a true saying. He's worked it out. He's worked out the days of his beginning. And now he tells you, I've, I've, for some reason, I've, I've scrubbed it off my notes. But he tells you, that which is worked out, it's true. It's trustworthy. Lay hold of it. Because he wants you, your beginnings was not, what you think your beginnings was. Hello? Our beginnings was not the stuff that started on the earth. Our beginnings was long ago. This kingdom started in us a long, long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Yes? It's therapy to your soul to understand the days and the depth of your beginnings. Because not everybody had the perfect birth. Not everybody got here in a perfect environment. You check that little child right now. its environment is not the perfect. Hopefully now it's in a stable environment. But it's come from an unstable environment. That's why they're fostering. Many of us weren't in the most stable of environment. But we're still here. But our beginnings goes beyond that. True. Our memory, we think our beginnings start when our memory. But what about all the stuff you can't remember? Your beginnings does not start with your memory. So, Philippians chapter 1 says this. Therefore, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Let's just go back there, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's called the day of beginning. There had to be a day when the work started. Are you getting this? So though you, your, your beginnings was with Christ many, many millenniums ago, you were thought of, known, acknowledged before, But there has to be a day on the earth when the work of the kingdom and his Christ begins in you. There can be no completion if there is no beginning. Oh, this is good. There can be no completion. There must be a beginning. There has to be a day when God started his work in you. Now you becoming a Christ sorry, you become a Christ, you becoming a believer, qualified you for a work to begin. It's called the work of sanctification. The Holy Spirit says, "The standards of holiness are there. I will do a work in Him, her, them, which will bring them up to the, our standard. That's called the work of sanctification. I made it so easy for you. So the Holy Ghost has to do a work in me and you, to bring you up to that standard. That work must have a day when it is finished. Coming to church is not the work. God must be at work in your life every day. His word must be working in you. What Christ is working in you, he must work through you. Being confident of this. Are you confident that God has begun a good work? I am. We might look a bit of a mess. Some of you might look all dodgy and weird, but the Bible calls it a good work. But if you've not allowed God to start a good work, you can't get on 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 this glory train. Come on. Paul says, I'm confident. That whoever started this good work will finish it. So he understands it's a process. He understands it's ongoing. He understands that every day God will be chipping that away, chipping away inside his spirit, inside his soul. He realizes that I am no longer my own. I've got to allow this work to be finished. Because I don't want to get into heaven incomplete. You read your Bible and see how many times Jesus talks about you being complete. Jesus always talks about the finish. He talks about the beginning. He talks about the process, and he talks about the finish. There is no just beginning. There has to be be continuation. There has to be completion. Jesus never starts something he can't finish, but you and I do. I'm the worst at home. Start a project, never finish it. I get all the, all the gusto to start something. I'm in, all in. And then something else. I'm all in. Carol says, what about that? But I'm all in over here. No, but go, get back over here. Finish this. Can you imagine you've only got two pieces? No, it's, this is not the case. Can you imagine you've only got two pieces of wallpaper? You've got one, one door that's painted. Can you imagine that? You'd go mad, wouldn't you, ladies, if your husband did that? Right, that's called unfinished. Some of you ladies celebrate the fact that your husbands go and begin. You celebrate that you're talking about it. Oh, he's talking about a new bathroom. Some guys are happy to let you think that we're talking about a new bathroom. We're happy for that. It's okay. Yeah, we'll go and look at them, darling, when the shop's closed. We We don't even need to leave our house now. We can do internet shopping. Okay? So here's the principle here. There can be no completion if there is no beginning and continuation, or continuation and completion. There can be no completion if there's no beginning and continuation. You got that? If there is no beginning of a kingdom work within you, then how do you know when the kingdom work is near completion within you? Let me say that again. If there's no beginning of a kingdom work within you, then how do you know when the kingdom work is near complete? I'm glad you asked that, Tony. Your age cannot be the indicator. So I'm 85 now, so I must be near complete. Do you know you can be 85 and you've never lived a day? Yeah. You can be 25 and your life's full. Read your Bible. Your age cannot be the indicator. If there is no beginning, then how do I know what the end actually entails? Oh. See, much of the church is sat there waiting for God to come back, Jesus to come back. They're doing nothing. They've, the work's not started. The work's not completed. They're not in transition. They're not moving. they just sat here waiting For Jesus to come back. And what happens if he doesn't come back in their time? Then no work ever was ever begun. Hello? Look around the nations of the world. People going nowhere. Take the words of the Beatles. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. The church is full of nowhere men. If there is a beginning... Then how do I know what the end actually entails? Good question. I must accept and embrace my beginning as it's an integral part of my identity. As it describes who I am or who I once was and who and what I'm now becoming. Yeah? I must embrace this beginning. Are you understanding something here? 2 Timothy 4.7 says this, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race. I've even kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Paul knows exactly what his end entails. He's already got hold of the end. He's built, see, when Jesus Christ started the beginnings, he built with the end in mind. Think of that. That's why he's the Alpha and Omega. He built with the end in mind. So he's already got the end picture, so he's created the beginnings to fit the end. Think of it. We kind of start something and try and find the end. But Christ, because he can see at the end and he can see at the beginning, he creates the end and he brings everything from the beginning to meet the end result. So everything now has to have purpose and design. To fit the end result or to get the end outcome. Does that make sense? So he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I fought the good fight. So he is very, very conscious that he has begun a race. He's begun a journey. He's begun a direction. His life's going somewhere. Does it make sense? And because he knows where he's going, he's always focused on the end. But if he had no beginning, and if his beginnings were blurred, he wouldn't know where he is in the race. Think about that. If you have no clear beginning, you never know where you are in the race. So you don't know if you're near the end or at the end. You see, the truth is this, and you won't like this when I say this, some people are finished before they've even begun. Some believers are already finished now because they never and they won't lay hold of that work that needs to be done. So they're finished. So by definition of you not the definition of God not being allowed to take his work or continue his work means you're finished. Think of it. I know you don't want to think of this, do you? If you can't, or if you will not let Jesus do his work in you, then you are already finished. What does that mean? You're incomplete. Are you still saved? Yes. But are you incomplete? Absolutely. So God can't continue his work within you. This is frightening. We're going to carry on. It tells us in Zechariah 4.10 that we should not despise the day of small things. Yeah? But the seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout, throughout the earth. Many of us didn't have the necessary plumb line wisdom needed for building our lives did we and as a result we made mistakes but there'll come a day when we'll be glad that someone's got the plumb line why because seeing someone have the plumb line in the hand encourages me that i can finish stronger yes because i want to move towards accuracy because that's what this works all about it's moving me it's revealing christ so i can become like christ God views your beginnings very seriously. God views your continuation very, very seriously. God views your end very, very seriously. So much so that when you die, he arranges a taxi service. When you die, the angels come and get you and bring you home, okay? You don't even have to work about, you don't have to worry how you're going to get from here to the airport, there already is transport laid on for you. Why? Because he wants you to be where he is. Yes? So the angels come and get you. And when he wants you on the earth, he moves heaven and hell to get you in position. And when he wants you continuing to do his will, he moves heaven and hell to keep you in the race. Yeah? When, you've got no, when you're not conscious about some things, he is. When you're conscious about something, you've now got to make a choice. But when you're not conscious about some things, God moves on your behalf. That's when he's doing far more behind your back than he's doing in front of your face. True? You'll never know what angels have intercepted your disaster. Yeah? You'll never know. So the process, ready to write this down? The process starts with beginnings. The day when... When things begin to be accepted and recognized. When things begin to be recognized and accepted. This is the days of beginning. You're now conscious. You're going somewhere. Something's happening in your life. The moment you you start pursuing a woman or a man, you're very conscious that this could go somewhere. Yeah? Yeah? The next thing in your Christian beginnings, you must become conscious that there is a work to be done. Circumstances, environments, and the personnel of your life have all been pre-engineered by God. I love this. The circumstances, the environments, and the personnel all needed for you to, for this work to continue in you. God's arranged everything. He's engineered it. I love this. Why? So that everything in you works to the purpose and glory of God. Yeah? You wonder why you were stood at a bus stop and you dropped something. And as you dropped something, someone went to help you, which sparked a conversation, which then led into you being saved. God had to engineer something that day, that time, that place, for you to be at that that circumstance, for you to get that bus. You you normally got the train, but that day you got the bus. I was driving in petrol, I was driving in the car, and the car just clunked out. We had to push the car into a nearby lay-by. Someone was there. Someone started to help us. A conversation. Next thing, boom, I'm praying for this person. They get healed. God has to engineer the circumstances, the environment, the people. I love that about God. He's got this massive highway going on. He's air traffic controller. He's superb. He just knows where everything is. And he never forgets. And he never lets a catastrophe happen. It's not like the Holy Spirit is saying, whoops, you missed that one. No, he's there. I don't know how. He just does it. And he's doing it with my life. I am just a grain of sand. But one that he knows. He knows it exists. And he's planned out my life. And you didn't know when you were born that I'd be the one leading you. And I didn't know when I was born that you'd be the one looking at me. I didn't know. You didn't know. But isn't it great? Thank God. God's got the beginning sorted out. He's got the continuation. He's got the end. He's got the whole world sorted out. So we're going through, we, have, we see a day at the beginnings. We see that there must be a time when we're conscious, that a work must begin. The next thing we must be, be mindful of is that there's a process involved. Yes? You understand the law of, 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 of inertia? There's, an, there's, there's a force that unless a force greater can move the force, nothing moves into momentum. Amen? Nothing's overcome inertia. Then you then you, you build momentum up, and then you come to the woof, the final place movement. Your life needs that process to get where you need to go. There's inertia in your life, but the Holy Ghost is partnering with you to make all things possible. Yes. So when, with a process, we need to understand that there's time involved. This process, it, listen, what process does? It allows us to measure. It allows us to measure things so as for us to gain perspective. That's why by measuring things, we gain perspective. I took a survey. Nehemiah went and measured the state of the walls. And as he measured the walls, he gained perspective of what needed to be done. He knew it was a process. And they built the walls in 40 days. How many days did it take him to build a wall? 40 days. They use b and think. Process involves time, patience, and much learning, and unlearning, and relearning. Yeah? So then we go from process, we go to the next point, all this is part of your beginnings, so we go from beginnings, we go to a conscious part where we know there's a work that needs to be done, we become conscious of the process that needs to be taken, and then testimonies start to appear. Testimonies speak of our acknowledgement of the work and the changes that's taking place within me. Amen? They speak of the victories and the breakthroughs and the different attitudes that's now being adopted because I'm beginning to allow Christ to change me and do his work within me. And when we begin to see this, we embrace further process, we embrace further work, we embrace it further, because now we can see it, we're celebrating it along the way, that's why I am no longer the person I used to be, thank God I am no longer the person I used to be, why, because in my life there's been many times when I could give testimony of how I'm changing, as I look back I can see I'm no longer, in fact I don't even know what that lad looks like anymore, because the things on earth go and dim in the light. As I'm following Christ now, I forget what I used to be. But then all of a sudden, someone comes along and reminds you. Don't they? It's called Friends Reunited. Come and remind you of what used to be. You were that snotty-nosed kid. It was always picking his nose. Who always had a bogey-hanging in his nose. That's not me. Oh, I remember you when you were at school. They've contained you with a thought. Yeah. And you say to them, that's not who I am now. Well, who are you now? And you start telling them, never. <laughs> when I only went to one school union and it, it was that bad and I thought I'd never go back to another one. The teacher says to me, I just barely remember. I went with Phil's brother. Who are you? Tony Higginson. Oh, Higginson, she said. Higginson, straight away. Term of indi- I thought, was it that bad? Igginson?" She said, what do you do now, Mr. Kingston? I said, my minister. Good God, she said, how did that happen? That's what she said. Good God, how did that happen? I went, yeah, it was a good God that made it happen. That's exactly what she said. And I thought, I must have been a write-off in her mind. She must have thought, that kid's going nowhere. And you know what, she was probably right. And I thought, I thought primary school was the best days of my life. That's the time I listened By the time I left school, I could read, write, and spell very well. But that's about it. And then it all went downhill from there. Well, thank God. So testimonies. And then testimonies. The next part of the process is completion. There must be a completion of the beginning, the work, the process, the testimonies. The testimonies are telling us that completion is... It's telling us how things are becoming complete all the time. But now i come to the point where completion is because the race has been run. The goal has been attained. The faith has been kept. And the prize has been laid hold of. It's not complete because I died. Oh. It's not complete because I died. Me dying means no more work can carry on. But that doesn't mean to say I'm complete. My beginning must have an end. The work is complete because the race has been run. The work has been finished. I kept the faith. I lay hold of the prize. The next last level is celebration. I reached the state of perfect holiness because the work was complete. Complete. And now I can enter into the joy of my inheritance. Does this make sense? What is the most attacked book in the Bible? Genesis. Why is the Genesis the most attacked book in the the world? Because it's the book of beginnings. If I can attack the beginning and discredit the beginning, then I discredit the work and the goal. See what I'm saying? This is why the enemy is focused on Genesis. He can't, listen, when you read him in Revelation, he's a puppet on a string. He's a puppet on a string who was given time, who's given a jurisdiction on the earth. And you, when, you, when you read a gen, uh, Revelation, you see his end. But in the book of Revelation, we also see his beginning. We see his work, how he wants to discredit the beginning. The beginning's everything. The beginning is what will f- uh, com- confuse you. If it's not good, it's what will contain you, it's what will scar you. If your beginning is not good and you don't see the beginning in Christ, then you'll always be a victim. The book of Genesis is key. Is, is key. If, we, if we attack and discredit the beginning, then we have no end or no future. Wow. 1 Corinthians 2, seven says, Now we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory Before time begun, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed the beginnings to us. These guys thought that if they killed and attacked and criticized their concept of the beginning, they would kill our end and they would kill our future. But later on, they realized that if seeing Jesus Christ die and him being resurrected and seeing the momentum that it created on the earth and how the kingdom advanced and was advanced and was unstoppable and still is unstoppable, they wish they'd never have done it. Because had Jesus Christ never been crucified, he would never have overcome death on the cross. And we would have had no future. They got their understanding of the beginning all wrong. But they, it didn't stop them attacking it. Can you see this? But thank God, God has revealed your beginning, your work, the work, and the end through his spirit. Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. But your spirit is now has captured hold of it. Why? Because God wants you to know what he knows. Thank God. You're not what you used to be. Thank God. You're not what you, you hoped to be. You were uh, what you wanted to be, what you hoped you might be. Thank God. But thank God you're no longer what you used to be. You're becoming something better than you ever thought you would be. The enemy didn't know that. Now, he, now you're unstoppable. He can't stop the kingdom. I've read his end. It's unstoppable. Why? Why? Thank God for the beginnings. You know, you know the song and finish off the line. The cabaret song. It's not how you start. So you all know the song. That counts. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. That counts. But the problem for most believers is their start, their physical start was not that glorious. And then what happens is, they meet Christ, and then glory, hope, and faith spike through the roof. Woof! All of a sudden, I've got a hope. Yes? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could stay at that level? But what happens is familiarity then kicks in. Laziness and apathy kicks in. We adopt a church life instead of a Christ life and his kingdom. We think because we've got a church life, we've got a Christ life, and we've got his kingdom. No, no, no. Because we've got this, what happens is, is our lives then, our expectancy begins to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And by the time we come to the end of our lives, we've declined from where we was when he first talked to us and revealed himself. That can't be good, can it? Death is not our end. Nor is it the completion. Why? Because what comes out the fire will determine the completion. The rate of completion. 1 Corinthians 3.2, 3.12. If any man builds on the foundation, let's stop there. If any man builds, so what he's got to do, he's got to do something. He's got to build on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. They're the materials. His work will be shown for what it is. When? Okay. Because the day will bring it to light. There's a day. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's Work, not his church life. Not his everyday with Jesus. Did he read his everyday with Jesus? No. What he's more interested, did you do your everyday with Jesus? Not did you read it? Well, we just had a little Bible study. No, the word is work. Most of the church has not discovered its work. Work. We have service, but we're not yet involved in the service of the work of the kingdom. This is why the whole purpose of raising disciples is that you commission them for the work of the kingdom. Not to play music. We commission everybody in church. You don't save the world by church. You save the world by the church going out into the world. So, it says here, if What he has built survives. Whoa. If what you have built in your life survives, if. He will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Whoa. He himself will be saved, thank goodness. But only as one escaping through the flames. So we can't really, our celebration is dependent upon our finish. And did we allow the work to be complete in us? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Finishing strong. The kingdom's unstoppable, but it's not necessarily unstoppable in you. We can prevent this, you know. We can prevent this from happening. We have the, you know, we can prevent decline and plateaus from happening in our life. Do you know that? We are built to be continuous. We are built to go from glory to glory. So we have this power inside us to prevent, to turn around, to push out of our life, decline and plateau. How many of you believe that? So it says in Philippians Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. To do what? To will and to act according to his good purpose. He wants that work to continue. So, Acts 20, 24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I only may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given to me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So, Paul was, was motivated by this work. He was totally motivated. So, you must daily keep considering what needs to be added to your life. You every day need to keep on considering. What needs to be added to my life and my faith? Why? Because this is what will determine whether I'm relevant and fruitful. Number two, you must become then convinced about what you are considering. You must become, number three, you must become convicted about what you're receiving. So many people are all gung-ho today and then they'll change their mind tomorrow. They're never convinced about what they're receiving. Number four, you must conclude on what you've been convinced about and convicted about. In other words, you must draw the line under some things. I have concluded in my life that some things are not non-negotiable. I have concluded in my life that my faith in Christ cannot be negotiable. I must make choices and decisions to keep my life on track. I'm convinced someone comes in and tries to tell me another gospel, I'm convinced of mine. I'm convinced. I know who I believe. I know what I believe. It irritates the life out of me when I listen to all the versions there is out there. Sure, he gave us one gospel. And yet, look how many gospels there are out there. Millions. There's only one Christ. But how many Christ are being offered? I must know what is right. You must know what's right so that this work can continue. If I get the wrong Christ, the wrong gospel, the work can't be completed. The work will be messed up. The work will be derailed. Yes? I must draw the line. You must ultimately do these things so as for you to continue. There's a hill, listen to this. There's a hill of beans of difference between something being in your power to do and you exercising your inner will to prevent you doing what you have power to do. That's good. I know you're like, you just say then? (laughs) So good, I'll say it again. There's a difference between something being in you. Sorry. The difference between something being in you. I can't even say it. (laughs) Because I've missed a word out. That's why the sentence doesn't read right when I read it. Something in you, when you've got the power to do something and exercise your free will, that's one thing, you having the power to do something and having the power to exercise your will not to do something is something different. Does that make sense? You having the power to do something and then having the power to exercise your will not to do something, it's something different. I may have the power to go and look at another woman or create a relationship with another woman. I have that power, right? Providing another woman's attracted, that is. But do I have the self-restraint to exercise my power not to do it? Right? You understand what I'm saying? So power is not the key. It's the inner control of your will That will determine the power you have, how much power you have. So if you read in Genesis, it talks about how they wanted to just totally destroy or build this tower. We haven't got time to do it. I realize the time's gone. God wants you to become unstoppable. Let me give you the words. You can have them on your diary and your notes. We become unstoppable. This kingdom becomes unbreakable. This kingdom is unshakable. So unstoppable, unshakable, unbreakable. When you understand the days of your beginnings, the kingdom that God started in you is unstoppable, it's unbreakable, and it's unshakable. Yes? This kingdom in you, when you un- but you must understand the beginnings, you must, have the, you must understand the process, you must allow this work to continue on you because you have no end. You cannot celebrate the end if you do not embrace the work and the beginning. Your end is not death. Your end will determine, should I say what comes, your celebration will determine what comes out the fire. Can you imagine we're all sat there waiting for the test results? We get cremated, we're dead, and we're buried. The end comes and there's a fire, there's a bonfire, and you're sat there waiting around your bonfire to see what comes out. And you see the angel with his spade and he's shoveling, all you can see is ash. You're thinking, oh my Lord, he's not, I can't see the gold. I can't see the silver. I can't see the gold and the silver, and you're panicking. But there's a lot of ash there. There's a lot of you still left. There's a lot of residue. Then all of a sudden, the angel picks out the nuggets of gold and he puts them on the scales. Because as he puts them on the scales, the scales will weigh accurately and tell us what God was looking for. And then he picks the nuggets of gold up and he brings them. And the father starts looking and he has a smile on his face because he sees that which was always meant to be produced. The fire has actually shown us that you embraced the beginning, embraced the process, and now we can celebrate the end together. Why? Because he's got it in his hands. Just like he had your life in his hands, he's got all that you produced in his hands. You've got to go through the fire. You've got to go through the fire. Now determine which fire you're going to go through, the one at the end or the one in life. Because the one in the one in life will determine what comes out the fire in the end. Let's stand to our feet, if you will, please. Your kingdom come, your will will be done. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom up till now has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Up till now. Up till now. So the challenge here is will you continue, up till now, will you keep continuing with this kingdom? It's unstoppable. It's unshakable. It's unbreakable. Is that the kingdom alive inside you? You're not quite sure. So please don't just listen to this message and say we've been to church today. We've had service. Please, please, stop it. Don't do that. Don't think like that. I'm not saying you are, just saying don't think like that if it is. We haven't been to church today. We haven't done service today. There is no service in here taking place. There was no meeting here today. There was a gathering. There was an impartation. There was a revealing. Why? So that we can go out and continue in the work, the process. If there is no process in you, then there is no, your end is not going to be glorious. Don't let me stand here and have to say nice things about you when you die. My words don't mean squat. They're not for you. They're for the people who's listening to you. But it's what he's saying. Amen? It's what he's saying that counts. Because together, we're all going to go through that fire. And I want the gold and the silver that's in you right now. I want the Father to hold it and I want to see the smile on his face. That's what all this is about. If all your days in church did not produce gold, then go and find another church. If all that we, did, if all that we have discovered in your life is wood, stubble and hay, then guess what? You're building the wrong materials. Heaven's built on gold and silver. Amen. Another, redeemable materials. Wood, stubble and hay gets burnt. That's the rubbish of our life. But God's looking for gold. Amen. Gold. Silver is is symbolic of redemption. How God's redeemed us, bought us, changed us. Gold is the purification. Amen. So Father, right now, come on, just raise your hands and say, Lord, I want to embrace the process. Thank you for my beginnings. I'm not what I thought I would be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Lord, I ask you, help me in the process, to embrace the process, to take hold of the process, to work through the process. I'm not yet complete. But thank God, I know you are able to hold on to that which has been committed to you. Father, it's not my hopes, it's your hope in me. It's not my hope, it's your hope in me that's holding me to the end. It's your hope in me that's going to bring this work through to the day of completion. Thank God there's a work. Thank God you've started a work in me. So, oh God, right now, Holy Spirit, come on us. Say, Lord, increase the work in me. Make me like the Father. Make me like the nature, image, and likeness of your Son. Oh God. Oh God. Oh, Father, mighty God. Come on, church, just begin just to ask God to increase his work within you. It's pointless listening to me speak. If you can't take this last bit and ask the Holy Spirit to complete his work within you. I want to be complete. Everything in my life has to be complete. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, everything that you eat. In your body, everything you drink has a work. It's given for a work. The water refreshes. It cleanses. Work, food nourishes. It kicks out the poison and keeps the good stuff. Everything on the earth has a purpose. Everything God does, everything he says, everything he does has a divine purpose in your life. Why? Because God is to work and to be. In him, I must live, move, and have my being. Oh, Father, this work must continue in us. Oh, Father, right now, right now in Jesus' name. Oh, God Almighty. Let him have his way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Your will has to be done, oh God, so the work can continue. So the work can be made complete. Show us your glory, Lord. That's what we started to sing. Lord, it can't just be a song. It's got to become our reality. It's got to become our reality in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Lord bless you.